0: How's that? Oh, thank you. That was a wonderful, encouraging time of worship and I think we can all say that we had a sense of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good and and that He has more in store for 2020 for this church body and for all of us individually as well. This morning I'm sharing on a third sermon on the, the Holy Spirit and speaking about the power of the Holy Spirit and I simply want to, to leave you with the encouragement that there is more. There is more in God that he has available for us in the, the ebb and flow and the seasons of our lives. Apart from occasional appearances by the Lord Jesus in person and Hebrews chapter 1 tells us of angels that are ministering spirits to minister to those who've inherited salvation. God's only agent on earth who fills us and indwells us is the Holy Spirit. And it's important that we are cognizant of that and aware of of Him. So that God's Word declares for us and our experience tells us that uh, the reality of knowing Jesus Christ comes through the, the Holy Spirit. That the knowledge we have is through the Holy Spirit and. Um, that this is true of us because Romans chapter 8 verse 9 declares that in fact if you do not have the Holy Spirit then you do not belong to Messiah you do not belong to Christ Jesus and in John chapter 1 uh, the Apostle John also declares that uh, the believers are born of God who believe in the Son of God And in chapter 3, that they are born from above, all an illusion to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we saw last week that, in fact, the knowledge that we have of God, the, the knowledge beyond an intellectual knowledge, a personal experiential knowledge, comes through the Holy Spirit, that He is the Spirit of truth, John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, and that He leads us into all truth, into the truth according to God, not simply facts, something that corresponds to reality, God corresponds to reality, but broader than that, the truth as it is in God, all that is God and belongs to God and that God speaks and mediates to us. And in the world of technology, there's a new development called hypersonic sound, hypersonic sound. And it's really interesting. The inventor was Elwood Harris, and he engineered this system, so what it is, is it's sound which is focused with precision like a laser up to about 140 meters and if you're standing in a very particular position and that sound wave is directed at you, you alone will hear it. Someone standing to your left or to your right will not hear it. That's how precise that sound wave is, hypersonic sound. And the way it's used and it's being used in some of the great museums of the world, if you're walking in the louver in Paris, the great museum there, and let's say you walk past the painting of the Mona Lisa, as you walk past it in a particular position right in front of the Mona Lisa, you will hear her telling you about her life, how many hundreds of years she's been in this frame, who painted her, all of that, and as soon as you move on, you won't hear anymore, and as it is, you'll go to other pieces of artwork. This is hypersonic sound, so laser-directed precision sound. And you have to be standing in the right place. And I think it's a, a powerful metaphor for the Holy Spirit that you have to be positioned in Christ. Uh, we have to abide in Christ and be placed in Christ to know the reality of the Holy Spirit. And nobody else can know that, uh, the, the power of God, the, the reality of God, the knowledge of God, without the Holy Spirit. Uh, brothers, sisters, family members, if they don't belong to Christ, they won't understand what it means to speak about being led when you say, I'm led by the Spirit, and God showed me, and God speaks to me, and I have a a conviction of the Holy Spirit, and and I, I sense joy in the Holy Spirit, because they're not positioned Rightly, they're not in Christ, so they won't understand or hear His voice. And, in fact, the, the reality that He mediates to us the kingdom of God and the reality of that space, which the world cannot see and understand. And we have insight into this world. We have a knowledge that nobody else outside of Christ has. We understand the spiritual realm and what drives people and, and how ideology is driven by spirits and uh uh, spiritual forces because there's no rationality in them and so we make valuations beyond the value systems of this world and it's exciting belonging to god in that sense knowing that we have the truth and this all comes through the holy spirit who applies salvation to us and i want to impress on your hearts this morning that we must never think of being a christian Primarily in a moral sense, you know that now being a Christian is really all about morality. Surely there is going to be a moral impact on us. But people often misunderstand and think that uh, you know this, this or that person's become someone who's now moral, or they they go to church, uh, they've become religious. But the Christian life is new life in the Holy Spirit. That's what the Christian life is. It's it's We should not even think of uh, being a Christian as only being forgiven. It uh, includes forgiveness of sins. Absolutely core foundational. But it goes beyond that. To be a Christian is to be a new creature in Christ by the Holy Spirit. It is to belong to the realm of God's kingdom. It is to understand the lordship of Jesus, his reign, his kingship. And to be led by Him. And the Holy Spirit leads us to follow Christ. Certainly not, He doesn't lead us away from Christ to do our own thing. He is, and He leads us into holiness. He is the Holy Spirit, not into a life of, of rebellion. And and He transfers what we call it the transferable or communicable attributes of God. Besides being created in God's image so that we have personality and eternity is in our hearts and we have creativity and the ability to reason and tell between right and wrong, that's all the image of God but love, joy peace, patience, kindness uh, the power of the spirit, these are the attributes that he communicates to us, but not the attributes which will not be communicated, which belong to God alone that he alone has life, that he alone is the source of life, who gives us that life but he alone is eternal. He alone is almighty. He alone is ever-present. He alone is all-knowing. But what do we want to do as human beings in our idolatry? We want to be all-knowing. We want to be all-powerful. <laughs> we want to be omniscient. Uh, uh, we want to be ever-present. We want to be eternal. And, and isn't that the heart of the fall? You can be like God. And it's exactly those attributes which we will not have, which we can only have in God as we connect connected to Him through Christ by the Holy Spirit. That He that has the Son has a life. There's no eternal life outside of the Son. And... Uh, That's exciting this morning, that we can know the Lord and have life. And it all comes to us by the Holy Spirit. But secondly, the Holy Spirit is the Lord mighty in battle. He is the one through whom God goes to war on this planet. And war, for us in the New Testament, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for kingdom conquest, for God's reign. And God's reign is a benevolent reign. It's not a violent reign. Right? It's, it's not a reign of force. It's a reign in which I give myself to Him, in which I submit to Him willingly. And if I don't, then reality will show me. Reality hurts me and, and, and gives me pain, doesn't it? But it's a salvation conquest. The Holy Spirit is the one who is the Lord Mighty in battle. He's not Casper the Holy or the Friendly Ghost. <laughs> He's the powerful Spirit of God. He's God Himself. Exodus. Chapter 15, verse 3, the Exodus uh, that happened from Egypt. Moses sang the song together with Miriam. The song to God and about God. And she and they used this expression: "The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is His name. Yahweh is a warrior. Yahweh is His name. Literally, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name." And Isaiah 42, verse 13. The Lord will march out like a champion, like a warrior. He will stir up his zeal with a shout. He will raise the battle cry and he will triumph over his enemies. Literally, again, the man is a the, the Lord is a mighty man of war, a warrior. It is only a metaphor for that which God alone can do. God alone could bring about the Exodus. He alone could part the Red Sea. He alone could bring them, bring the judgments on Egypt and bring them out with a mighty outstretched arm um, and bring them into the promised land. God alone could do that. Psalm 24, God speaks uh, here through David as David speaks of God and his coming salvation and coming with salvation. Who is this king of glory? Jesus, isn't it? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And let's understand then that the Holy Spirit who indwells us, who makes us the temples of God, because we belong to him, is not only an influence or someone who makes suggestions to us. He is God himself indwelling us, and he is the Lord mighty. In battle. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 and 14, Romans chapter 12 and chapter 13, they all share with us that God, Ephesians chapter 4, that we have gifts, supernatural, God inspired, God spirit driven gifts that He has given us and has even available to us as we ask, that He has more gifts available for us, that He has further anointings. Do you know that King David was anointed three times? Three times he was anointed, first uh, in secret by Samuel, then he was anointed as king over the tribes of Judah, and then he was uh, anointed a third time as king over the whole of Israel. And that's a, a powerful picture that God has further enablements, anointings, empowerings for us if we have new tasks, new ministry. And we often need a new anointing, a fresh anointing. And the Old Testament has many wonderful examples of that in terms of the the stories that come out as we can take them as a a metaphor in the New Testament. And in the book of Acts, we we see the same thing. Now, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we we read about Jesus as after his resurrection. He met with his disciples for 40 days, and he ministered to them about God's kingdom. They needed further instruction. After the three years, and we read this it says in verse 4 On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus here minister to them about his reign, about his rule, about the the impact and the way that the kingdom of God operates, uh, this gospel of the kingdom, that Jesus is God's appointed king and saviour and Lord, the world's true ruler, and that salvation is available through him, and life eternal. And my assumption would be here that Israel also will be brought into that kingdom and into the gospel and into the church, so to speak, and so complete the church, which is not the Gentile institution that we see in Europe or the Middle Ages of Catholicism and Lutherism. It is the body of Christ, properly understood, neither Jew nor Gentile, made up of one new man. That's the real church. That's the body of Christ, not so much the institutions that we see. And they will be brought in and and Jesus surely could have corrected them at this stage and said, no, no, you're misunderstanding, there's no more of Israel. He said, you don't know the times and dates set by God's own authority, but here are the two points that I believe are quite important for us from this passage. The first thing that we can see is that the disciples clearly didn't have the Holy Spirit and that they must have been under the influence of God through Jesus and he told them to wait in Jerusalem. And that they would be initiated into the new age of the Spirit. They would be immersed into the new life of the Spirit. That this this new covenant that would be ratified and, and, and brought about through the blood of Jesus. This new covenant would be a life in the Spirit in which God by His Holy Spirit, God's only agent on earth, which would now dwell not in a temple made by human hands, but would dwell in His people. Physically, literally, absolutely amazing. Baptism speaks of immersion. And I think it also alludes to a second or a further point, certainly is that it's not a trickle. It's not a little sprinkle. Baptism is an immersion. That's what the Greek word means, baptizo. It means to immerse completely. And that should also make us contemplate and think about the Holy Spirit's influence in our life. That is not a little sprinkle, a little crinkle, you know, a, 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 a sort of drop of, of water, like we've seen recently, some rain there in North Kellyville, and the clouds look amazing, and then uh, there's just a few sprinkles, and I'm thinking, oh, it's so dry. That's not necessarily the Holy Spirit's ministry. is immersion. Immersion going under, completion, fullness. And the next point is that he gives us the power to witness. And that power is spiritual power. It's not abusive power. It's not dominance. Dominance is corruption. But power is is spiritual clout. It is spiritual muscle to testify that Jesus is God's appointed king and to minister in, as led by him in his power through the gifts that is placed in us building towards his kingdom in the many many ways and aspects and interactions that you find yourself in daily life God's power may be there operating in ways that other people cannot understand or see but of course I'll leave you with this and encourage you with this that there is more There is more in the ebb and flow of life, in the dryness, in the seasons that we go through, in the difficulties, in the challenges, that when there's emptying and brokenness, that there's fullness and filling in those seasons as well. If we look at the rest of the book of Acts, we see how they were empowered. These simple people who were not uneducated necessarily, or they were not necessarily simplistic either but they weren't the elite and they didn't have the resources of the elite available to them and yet through them God would minister the gospel in Jerusalem Judea Samaria to the ends of the earth and God confirming his message with signs wonders and miracles by the Holy Ghost God going to war God doing things that only he can do healings Demons being driven out, supernatural leading, conversion, prophecy, power encounters, miracles, signs, and wonders. God doing things that only He can do, but at the same time, doing it through their natural strategies as they prayed, as they planned, as they went on mission trips, as they did life, as persecution came, and they responded to that in all too natural, normal, human ways, moving out running for their lives, but you're taking the message with them and God in that way is spreading the message. But we also see in the book of Acts, and this too we should bear in mind, is what comes up. There's opposition, there's painful trials, there's stonings, there's imprisonments, there's murder, there's opposition, there's hostility, there's shipwreck, there's snakebite. And in all of that, that, that juxtaposition, that dichotomy of power in weakness, God is doing stuff that alone He can do. And we see that, for instance, in the, uh, the life of the Apostle Paul, don't we? But right now, what does this teach us? That God's power is mystically at work in our weakness. So don't be disturbed by your weakness. Don't be disturbed by your, perhaps, Natural physical frailties, understand that God has this treasure at work in us, he says, in jars of clay, with, you know, earthen vessels with clay feet, I'd like to say. In our frailty, he ministers, he goes to war against the enemy, giving us the power to minister. Yes, pray for healing. Yes, drive out demons. Yes, prophesy. Sometimes when you're not even aware, you're saying something, you're sharing something, you're ministering to some, someone, you're sharing a Bible verse for them, you're saying, I have this impression for you, and God is speaking to them through that laser. It's giving them something very precious. And we can have the confidence that with these gifts, they're like pneumatic tools, because the pneumatic tool is driven by pneuma, air, compressed air. They are like pneumatic tools, these gifts of the Holy Spirit in which he empowers us and works through us. And, of course, there is more. I can share countless, countless stories with you. Uh, if you look at Paul, his story is so interesting. I think when he gets to Rome, you know, the, the sea has done everything it can to get rid of Paul. Shipwreck. The snake has bitten him. He has had opposition. That guy's been dragged through the streets. And I think, you know, he plotted this journey to Rome. He had this whole strategy worked out and God was clearly leading him there and God had ministry for him there. And yet at the same time, I believe that Paul got to Rome way more bedraggled and weary and exhausted than he would have liked personally to experience. But the gospel that it brings is God's power for the salvation for everyone who believes. And new creation is starting in Rome, and nothing can stop it. Nothing. And we know that from the book of Acts, and that is exciting. We can look at the book of Acts and read it and let God minister to us and see his organic nature, how dynamic he is. Do you know that on the uh, day of Pentecost they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, it says? And then in Acts chapter 4, where... Peter was imprisoned, and they were all praying together as a church, and later, it wasn't the imprisonment, but there were threats against them to imprison them, real threats coming against them, and they prayed together, and it says that God filled that place with the Holy Spirit, and the room shook, and it says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit once again. God is dynamic. This is an ever present reality of what he may do once off, what he may do multiple times that God is creative and we can't uh, fit him in a box. But let's not accept this morning that spiritual dryness, numbness, detachment, feeling like you're you're always just on, on low battery or Simply that you're, you're, you know, you're on low energy. All your apps are switched off. <laughs> you're an energy saver. You know, God's saying, "I'm going to switch some of your apps on. You know, I'm going to take you to a whole new level." And let's ask Him for that. Let's seek Him for that. Let's be encouraged that God hears prayer beyond that. He wants to move beyond our intellectualism and our safe spaces, and He wants to go to war. And I'm going to share one story with you from of many stories I can share from my own life church history it's yeah uh, God is powerful we, 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 we know we, we this morning you may have heard Reinhard Bonkert uh, has gone to the Lord passed away yesterday at 79 if you read his biography so exciting how God chose him and raised him up not without trials not without rejection even from his own family The dad was completely focused on the oldest son. And an old granny in the church laid her hands on little Hainat who was ADD and all over the show and always getting into trouble and said, I just see a picture of this young boy and there's all these black people around him. (laughs) And the dad couldn't receive it, couldn't accept it. It took him years before he finally came to terms with the fact, God, you've got ministry for my, my second son or my third son. Not for my oldest son. Very exciting. And uh, in Geraldton, well, in the church there, there was a couple that we were having trouble with, and it was to do with leadership, and, and this was draining and sucking the life out of me. As you know, can happen, right? When you have trouble and there is cloak and dagger and smoke and camouflage and deflecting and avoiding and blaming, and the elephants in the room and you have to deal with it and one meeting we had was i felt there was a particular breakthrough such a breakthrough and i was thinking about jesus in luke chapter 4 that it says that after his testing and his time in the wilderness it says that in luke chapter 4 verse 14 jesus returned to galilee in the power of the holy spirit Jesus, our Lord, returned in the power of the Spirit and news about Him spread throughout the whole countryside. And then also in Luke chapter 10, the victory of the disciples, when they came back from their their mission trip. And they said, wow, even the demons submit us in, in your name, Lord. And He says, I saw Satan fall from the sky, his defeat. As the kingdom was coming and people were being set free from his claws. And then Jesus prays It says, this at that time in luke chapter 10 jesus full of joy through the holy spirit said i praise you father lord of heaven and earth and i had this amazing experience in Geraldton that at this meeting there was a breakthrough and after it was all over i was just full of joy in the holy spirit i can't explain it but i was overcome with his joy and Geraldton, being such a lovely place my office was A block or two behind the beach, I went to the foreshore, and I had a lovely swim, and there a sea snake went in front of me, and we know what happened in Darwin, uh, how dangerous they are, and I got such a fright, so I got out of that water very quickly, but I saw full of joy, and then I saw this French lady, she was sitting there, looked very sad, and I said, did you see the sea snake? And I was so full of joy that we got into a conversation. Very naturally, was able to share with her about the Lord Jesus, His love for her, His healing for her, in a natural, compassionate way. And God opened this amazing opportunity to minister His gospel through that moment. But I felt that it had come out of that fullness of joy. And this is it: when you're full of joy in the Holy Spirit, there's a power. There's a there's a supernatural sense to that. That that God is is at work and God will minister to us. So let's be encouraged to seek Him for joy unspeakable and full of glory to once more experience that joy in the Holy Spirit, to be filled with joy and to know that whatever our circumstances are, certainly God, we pray, change our circumstances, open doors in 2020, you've got new adventures and new friends and new people and new things that you're going to be doing in this place forget the former things do not dwell on the past behold I'm doing a new thing, says the Lord and even if you're moving on that God has new ways and new places for you and new opportunities and that there will be joy let's seek Him for the power of the Holy Spirit because God is going to war God is doing battle through us and He comes to us and He says you know Oh man, I just see you like Gideon. You're so fixated on your lunch money. You're just threshing your wheat in your little barn. And all you're worried about is the Midianites are going to come and take the wheat away from you. And then the angel of the Lord comes to you and he says, Behold, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And it's like, me? But I'm from the tribe of Benjamin and I'm the least in my family. And who am I? And what can I do? And I'm just afraid that the Midianites are going to come. I'm just focused on my lunch money, on making it. He says, go in the strength that you have, because it is God's power at work through our weakness. Steve will lead us now in some worship, and let's respond in the worship with the prayers and the cries of our heart, because God sees them, that indeed He will touch us and fill us with joy for what He has even today and in the coming year. Amen.